As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey, it's Civilized Barking. It's Zach Jackson. Football is here. Uh, The anticipation is here. First, welcome. Uh, Second, thank you to you guys who send questions, who send tweets, who follow along, who read, who subscribe. If you're not subscribed, what the hell are you waiting for? Um, Especially right now, it's training camp everywhere. It's arguably the most exciting training camp in Cleveland in 30 years. I know that would be the entire lifetime for a lot of you guys listening. Um, Get on board. 50% 50% off at The Athletic, but we'll be doing Civilized Barking here um, in different formats at least twice a week. So I'm recording, guys, about two hours after practice three. It's Friday evening. The Browns are underway. They're not doing a bunch. They can't be in full pads and hit until Tuesday. Um, they're easing their way in. That's Kevin Stefanski's plan. Um, this is a smart organization. He is a smart head coach. They know it's a long year. They want it to be a long year. And uh, they're not doing anything silly. So I think today was hour and 40 minutes, maybe five minutes shorter than yesterday. I don't know. Um, this is the deal, guys. We're not out there charting uh, every throw or sweating every detail. Heck, today it was only 75. We weren't really sweating at all. Of camp, this is a good team. And I say this, no hyperbole, yet not declaring anybody any champions. Like There is an embarrassment of riches offensively. There really is. For the first time, Baker Mayfield has the same coach, the same system. He knows every guy in the huddle. Arguably, the league's best offensive line is back. Um, We haven't seen them unleashed yet. It's not just Nick Chubb. It's Kareem Hunt with him. And a loaded receiving core. Odell Beckham, you know, not fully cleared for stuff, but he's doing the drills. He's exploding. He's running. He looks like Odell Beckham. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I feel the excitement. The high expectations are warranted. And we will see. So um, thank you guys for listening. As I mentioned, we're going to start next week when we get into full camp. There's going to be at least two podcasts a week. Can I guarantee a player guest? No, I can't. We're still dealing with some restrictions in terms of COVID and getting one-on-one interviews and stuff. We're back doing in-person press conferences. You know, we're back with more access than last year. 
uh, things like that. You know, COVID is still a factor. Um, some of the best news of camp honestly came earlier this afternoon when Andrew Barry said the Browns are above 90% in terms of players who are fully vaxxed or going through the process of being fully vaxxed, 100% in terms of coaches and on-field staff. Um, listen, I'm not going to get into the arguments and the sides. The NFL and the NFLPA have laid out what it's going to be. The NFL has billions, yes, billions of dollars to protect um, they're not going to come off these guidelines, and players have two choices. They're going to follow them. They're going to get vaccinated, and they're going to reap the benefits. They're not going to get vaccinated. They're, frankly, going to have pretty miserable years and deal with different rules, but that's their choice. And look, um, it starts somewhere. And if you're listening to this, you know the Brown shit show of 20-plus years. So Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, both of whom are fully vaccinated, both have stood in front of the team and have – spearheaded programs to say, here's why you should get vaccinated. But they've also been united in their message of saying, we are not going to hold it against you. If you don't, we want you to understand why we want you to. We want you to understand the restrictions under which you're going to operate, but we're not going to let this divide us. They know what's at stake. They know like, yeah. So this is a really good team guys. And again, preseason power rankings, fifth, eighth, 11th, like I believe it. You know, best roster in the league for now and for going forward. It's it, it's not the best in the league, but it's it's up there, right? Um, it's a really exciting time to be a Browns fan. So if you've stuck it out, or even if you haven't, I hope you're enjoying it. If you're listening to this and clicking on because you follow one player because he's from your hometown or you went to school with him, um, you know, know that the Browns for a long time have not looked like this. Know that the other teams looked like, um, you know, these mythological creatures when they came out of the locker room, the Browns are loaded and we'll see how it goes starting on September 12th. Um, we're two weeks from tomorrow from the first preseason game. They're going to pace themselves as they should into and out of that. So, you know, with all that being said, I'm going to, uh, Jason Lloyd is on a short vacation with his family. We're going to, he's going to be back at practice almost every day. I'm going to be there. I think every day, but one of the, the open training camp sessions, which go pretty much the entire month of August, um, we're going to have it covered, you know, might have some other writers on, might, might talk to some different folks, but the format of this is we're going to talk a little Browns. I'm going to give you the tutorial, give you some observations, answer some questions. And then Robert Mays, uh, my colleague who does the athletic NFL show, um, and really writes a lot of interesting stuff on, on league matters all the time. And recently wrote about Baker. Um, he came to practice on the second day, and he and I did an interview for the Athletic Football Show. So we're going to close by listening to that because we touched on a lot of things. And frankly, you don't just have to listen to me. You'll get to listen to, to Robert and, and, and myself going through things and talking about early impressions. And that's what they are. So I, I, I called a last-minute audible. Um, I'm going to save going through position by position with impressions for down the road. I mean, guys, we've seen three practices all just in helmets and shells. You know, none over an hour and 45 minutes. We haven't seen a full speed 11 on 11 drill yet. And frankly, you know, we shouldn't, right? They're they're easing their way in. So Friday today was the first day uh, with the fans being there. They brought an energy, an entertainment level. I mean, hell, at one point, Jadavian Clowney during a special teams drill was out on the field pumping his fists and having fun with the fans and didn't even see the gunners on the punt drill whizzing right by him. So I got a chuckle out of that. But Miles was playing to the crowd a little bit. And it's just a different energy, right? They can pump all, they can turn the volume up on the music and they can say, you know, we're, we're excited to be here. They are, 
Um, I can say we're excited to not be in masks and under the heavy restrictions of last year, and that's true too. You know, but until the fans get in there and until you start doing something there, it's just not the same. So, um, long time coming, but I'll just say this, you know, these are the first impressions. The Browns are loaded. More importantly is what I talked about. Stefanski and Barry are smart guys. They're on the same page. Um, they know the roster's not perfect. They're not perfect. They know the Browns really haven't won anything yet, but they did win a playoff game. They do have the experience of going through the wild roller coaster the last year was and coming out on the side of being 11-5, and five, ending the playoff drought, um, maybe ending the Steelers. We'll see how that goes. Winning a playoff game, getting to Kansas City and seeing, hey, we're there, you know, uh, and everybody's still chasing Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is 25 years old, and he might be the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Um, is it too early to say that? Yes. If you really want to argue with me on that, you're probably an idiot. But anyway, um, idiots are welcome here too. We're just talking a little football. We're having fun. So here's what I did. Um, again, I just opened it up to questions um, <clears throat> and it, for, for Asking Jackson. Hashtag Asking Jackson on Twitter. They're always open. I'll do a, a number of written mailbags, but I like to use um, the questions here for um, podcasts, and we're just going to keep it moving. So I asked for two about 40 minutes ago. I got 15. Uh, let, let's scroll through them. Question from Robert uh, asking Jackson, who do you think are the most interesting possible bubble players? Robert, that's an interesting question. It's an important one. But three days in, I don't want to get into that. So I'm going to circle that, and I'm certainly going to write about it, and we will talk about it as it goes on. Again, the pads don't come on until Tuesday, and we're two weeks from the first preseason game. Bubble guys earn their way in full speed drills. You know, So even I'll sit here and I'll always tell you one thing when you watch a preseason football game, you watch who's on special teams because that means the coaches have them first in line somewhere. Well, we're three days in. Dearness Johnson just got back today. His girlfriend had a baby. Uh, he's going to be on the special teams. You know, guys have been in and out. They're not pushing Jarvis Landry. They're not pushing Rashard Higgins for obvious reasons. They're not pushing Grant Delpit. You know, Greedy Williams does look good in, in limited action, limited sample size, obviously. But we'll see. Um, it's too early for that. Same with Sean's question. What rookie or second-year player do you think has a breakout year? Well, I'm going to keep singing the praises of Donovan Peoples-Jones. I can't believe this guy is a six-round pick. We'll see how it goes. He's not a finished product, and he's not a star yet. But boy, oh boy, all the qualities are there for him to do that. Here is what I thought in just quick scrolling through my phone was the most interesting question. It comes from Derek, and it says, hashtag Askin Jackson. Assuming Wentz has to spend some time on the sideline, what would the Colts need to offer Andrew Barry to, for him to give much thought into moving Case Keenum? I don't think it would happen. Um, I don't think the Browns value Case Keenum. I believe they pay him 8 or $10 million this year, and they think he's worth every penny. A is an insurance policy, and it's about winning games. If Baker was to you know, deal with something like a concussion or a high ankle sprain and miss multiple games, they think Case Keenum could run the offense at you know, a, a decent level, could give them a chance to win games. But B, it's, it's about Case Keenum knows Stefanski. He knows the offense inside and out. It's tutoring Baker last year and a little bit now, but it's helping Baker get his masters in the offense the way that Keenum has it. It's having that guy ready. And I mentioned a two- or three- or four-week scenario that, that could come up, um, but maybe it's a two- or three-series scenario, right? You just never know in this league. And obviously, 
Um, the Colts didn't expect Carson Wentz to hurt his foot on the third day of camp, right? So that is a great question. Um, the answer to me is it would have to be a whole lot. Like Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, is not going to call and say, we'll give you two fives for Case Keenum. No, 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 no. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> um, he has value to the Browns. And, like, again, let's let's get quickly off the question trail here. All 11 starters back on offense. Well, that doesn't include Odell. That technically doesn't include DPJ, right? That doesn't include Kareem freaking Hunt. And, oh, my gosh, guys, he looks phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. Like, I think when they do the little bit of hitting and full speed stuff, they're going to need to call Kareem off of hurting his own defensive backs. He looks that good. Um, and he's just seems to be in a good place in his life. You know, just watching him interact on the practice fields and in addition to going through the drills, having been out at his youth camp out in Willoughby, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, I think Kareem um, is at a completely different place in his life and his career than he was two years ago when he came here. And that's good for him. That's good for the Browns. And I think Kareem Hunt is going to help the Browns win games. Um, that is for sure. Uh, question, could Malik McDowell end up being the versatile X factor that D-line needs to be elite? I don't know. Um, when you look at Malik McDowell out there, not many dudes look like that, right? And basically, when they line up, it goes Clowney, Garrett, and then McDowell in the free category. But he was drafted four years ago. He hasn't played a game. You know, the Browns were able to get him after the draft or during the draft. I think it was after the draft because um, nobody else was – was taking that on. So I don't think the Browns do anything lightly. I think they believe he's turned his life around, but really the answer right now to this question is, you know, you can't judge anything D line wise until the pads come on, you know? And so these guys are going through the drills and frankly, we're still in a restricted, at least for the first two days, we were uh, a restricted viewing area. We couldn't see the defense, especially the defensive line. It was the furthest possible away. So we'll see. We'll be watching that. Malik um, McDowell needs to get in the preseason games and play. He needs to show the coaches he's in football shape. He needs to show the coaches he's learning. And we'll see. And that goes to the, the two practices with the Giants in, in mid-August that will be big. Um, again, not going to get into bubble players and things like that, but – in the competitive and physical settings is where the bubble players who eventually win out will separate themselves. And that's a long way away. Um, you know, here's, let's see. Oh, question from Gabe. How much should we overreact to the kicking situation with Parkey? Well, there's been three days of practice. Um, two of them they didn't kick on. One they did. Cody Parkey went, I believe, one of five. I didn't see all five. I saw the last four. Uh, it went make. Miss, doink, narrow miss, bad miss. Um, listen, Cody Parkey's missed some kicks in his career. Cody Parkey's made a lot of kicks in his career. Cody Parkey has done two stints with the Browns. And you know what? Last year, he had the slump in December. But other than that, he was good. Uh, didn't in both Browns preseason games, didn't the or uh, postseason games, excuse me, didn't the other teams miss kicks? And Cody Parkey didn't. So we'll see. Uh, look, he's not a world beater, and his longest last year was 46. And I worry about the special teams in general. This team does not have a natural return man. I don't think JoJo Natson has much of a chance to make this roster. Um, 
And, it, you know, Jamie Gillen was just okay last year. I think DVOA 27th, the special teams were. So we'll see. It's something to watch, but we're not going to bury Cody Parkey off July 29th. Um, we're just going to see, you know, how that goes. Um, question from Chris. Does the fact that Anthony Walker is the defensive signal caller indicate that he's expected to be on the field for all three downs? That is an interesting question, and that is the way that you would naturally look at it, Chris. I brought it up here. I'm sorry I faded away for a second. So Anthony Walker over his last three seasons has played 66%, 79%, and 68% of the snaps. That was with the Colts. Now, last year, no Browns linebacker. I mean, B.J. Goodson played a bunch, but they were rotating him pretty freely. So I think the Browns really value Anthony Walker from a leadership standpoint. I think that's obvious with the green dot, with the contract. I think they believe that he's a talent upgrade over Goodson and that he's an upgrade in terms of the overall structure of the linebacking room. Um, you know, JOK is on the COVID list. At the time they signed Anthony Walker, I don't think they thought they were getting JOK. I thought I think they were, were drafting a linebacker late in the third or early in the fourth, a young, fast guy to they could bring along slowly. So I guess my answer right now is we'll see. I don't think any linebacker plays 100% of the time, but I that was kind of my thought when, when John Johnson said that Walker's going to wear the green dot. Well, I wonder who's going to wear the second green dot. I will ask Stefanski that. I'm not sure he'll answer that, but um, – you know, we'll see. And the last question we'll get to in, in this group, question from JC, do you think playing across from Miles will actually help Clowney or do you, or should we have pretty low expectations? Well, I love the Clowney signing. I don't love it at, at the expense of losing Sheldon Richardson, but if Clowney stays healthy, uh, he and Miles are going to wreck some games. They're going to cause some real headaches. And that's from Tuesday to Thursday in game planning, and that's on Sunday they're going to hit people. So the options that a healthy Clowney brings – to Joe Woods and brings to your defense um, are plentiful. You know, will he stay healthy? Is he still uh, able to take over games? You know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't know that he needs to to have dominant stretches, right, in terms of games or weeks. I think he needs to be solid, do his job, and, and you know, help the run defense. Um, get to the quarterback when called upon. We'll see. But, look, the whole intent of this defensive remake – obviously was to get better talent. But the tantalizing thing, I think internally and externally, is the versatility in the matchups. That a guy like Clowney. That a guy like JOK. That a guy like Delpit. Right? Um, Jacob Phillips. Um, you know, all of these guys. Malik Jackson, he's 31, but he has been a really good interior pass rusher in his career, and those guys are hard to find. So the mix and match, you know, JOK, helping cover tight ends, helping keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket, for example. Same with Jacob Phillips, who's a big, fast freak. Like, we'll see how that comes out. And we're going to need real games to see that. We're not – Joe Woods isn't going to tip his hand in the preseason. But the intent was to get better, get deeper, but really get more versatile. And so, you know, you're except against the Ravens, I don't know when you play a bunch of base defense in this league, right? So especially if you're going to score – you're going to be in these pass-down defenses all the time. And, and can Clowney come inside? Can Miles come inside? Can you flip those guys? You know, how much pressure are you going to try to create with your other guys? I, I think I've seen this. I've seen um, glimpses of depth in the cornerback room, and that could be a real big competition. But up front, you don't want to lose Denzel, obviously. You know, I love the Troy Hill signing for the savvy and the playmaking. Troy's going to be 30. He's tiny by NFL standards, like – 
Um, we'll see how that works out. Greg Newsom's 21 years old. I, I love the pick in the long term. I'm not sure what you're getting this September and October out of Greg Newsom, and we'll see. And again, with Greedy, there's a question mark. But this is a good team. So enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Um, get you out of here. Uh, as I mentioned, this is Robert Mays and me from Thursday, uh, day two of training camp on the Athletic Football Show. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I am thrilled now to welcome the Athletics Browns writer. Zach Jackson. Zach, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, just to give people a little bit of an insight into what this job is like. We are currently in my car, in my rental car, in the parking lot outside of the Browns facility. The Part of the reason for this is that it's still a little bit weird with COVID protocols. We can't be inside the building in the workroom or anything like that. So there is a trailer where other people are working. We're not going to record in there. This is the quietest only option and we're essentially racing against time as the air conditioning is off that's what we're doing right now this is a luxurious job of all the chevy malibus i've ever sat in this is this is one of the nicer but no robert i've covered this team for a long time and i haven't been in that building since december of 19 no probably january of 20 um because you know they they cleaned house as they were doing annually there for a while but then you go into the period you're not away, and then by the time the league year started, COVID had happened. So I've been here, I've been out here, but I haven't been in the building in, in a long time. And this is a team and a stop that I was really looking forward to because we were talking about this a little bit during practice, and it came up over and over again in questions to Baker and questions to J.C. Treader today. This is a team that seemed constantly in flux for years. It was a new coach. It was a new quarterback. It was a new system. Even if the quarterback was the same, the coach was different. Even if the coach was the same, the system was different. It was always felt like something was changing. And now there's continuity here. There is a streamlined level of communication. And I think that so far, to me, at least in my only day here, is the theme of what this camp kind of feels like for this team. It is because two years ago when they had all the hype and you know there are a hundred reasons we could do a podcast series on how that went off the rails. <laughs> but there was new, right? It was like we're ready to go for it. So we went and got OBJ. Um, yep. you know, we're not sure who's where on the O line, and that was part of the downfall. Uh, you know, yeah. ba Baker had played well for the second half of his rookie year, but he had only done it in that eight game period, you know, and there was a new coach and, you know, first thing Freddie did was get a new defensive coordinator. And so there's new pieces everywhere. So now you have all the offense back. Odell is kind of the only new guy, right? You have a one, a running back in Kareem Hunt, who's a former rushing champion, Yeah. um, you know, tight end. I don't know, but David Njoku really looks like a stud player. 
you know, Harrison Bryant would start or be the number two on a lot of teams, right? And and there's even depth on the O-line because of what they went through last year with some minor injuries and some COVID. So it's remade on defense, but they're a lot more athletic. They're a lot more versatile. But you look at this offense, you look at the team in general. I mean, I'm standing out here, Robert, and for years, years, you watch the other team run in the stadium and you think, oh my gosh, that's what an NFL team looks like. But you watch this team, Miles Garrett and Clowney. And- Them standing next to each other is wild. Yes. I mean, it is. It really jumps out to you. One, just the physical stature. And, and it's a silly thing, like the get off the bus team. But this is a get off the bus team. And it was that to a certain extent when they had that hype. Like Miles Garrett was one of the reasons for that. They had a lot of high draft picks, but it's everywhere now. And I think even if you look at the tight end room, I think that's a perfect example, right? You have Njoku, who's a former first-round pick, is obviously very, very talented. It doesn't really pan out the way you'd hope, but the depth is it's insane. I mean, you have Harrison Bryant as your third guy there, and that's when you're looking at some teams and you see them out on the field, the holes become really apparent to you. It's like, oh, yeah, sure. that guy's a starting corner on this team. The opposite is true when you look at this team on the field. Every single spot, there's another useful player behind the superstar-level player, and I think with very few exceptions. And... We talk about it all offseason, all offseason. This is one of the best rosters in the league. Can this team push the Chiefs in the AFC? Where do they stick, fit in the pecking order of the entire league? And then you see them out on the field. It's like, oh, shit, that's right. Like, this team has a ton of dudes on it. Yeah, like one of my lasting memories from that two years ago when there was all this hype and Baker was riding high. First day of camp, I was hanging out. And Alonzo Highsmith, who was like second in charge, right? People know the name. He's been around the NFL forever. He was almost like he's hanging out where we are, like admiring this talent that yeah. was coming out and you know it all was blown up five months later but i'm sitting here watching this and going you know what all the things you just mentioned but miles is is older now he's in his fifth year he's established right uh, there's no ceiling on him but he's established like most of these guys are 25 26 they played and i just think it's so important through all the madness of last year and, and we'll see you know who who picks up where they left off but they needed to win games in December to get in. They did. They had all the controversy and turmoil with the COVID stuff. They went and won a playoff game. They went to Kansas City, and they left feeling ill because they didn't win. They could have. So they've there's a certain list of accomplishments, but they've been there. They've been tested in together. And so not only have the Browns been bad for so long, but they've never brought back anybody with that's, that's you know really done anything here except talk about it, quite frankly. It's interesting. The one of the things that jumped out to me today is Baker is just putting – hot sauce on the ball i mean the the rpms and the miles per hour as he's letting that thing rip it almost feels intentional it feels like he's really juiced up right now and i think that to me is one thing that really jumps out is that he's in year two of this offense like this is a situation where he could take another step forward and that to me is again it's one of those things that kept coming back and back and back is and i think drew petzing their tight ends coach brought it up to me today who we're going to talk to a little bit later he said last year, it's like you're learning English, and this year, it's like, like you can learn sarcasm. And those language metaphors are consistent when you talk about offense. Case Keenum said a very similar thing to me today about conjugating verbs and everything else. But that's what it feels like. It feels like this is the chance for the first time in so long for this team to build on something rather than start at the foundation again. Well, there's no doubt that you know, the way they handled Baker with is malpractice with all the change yeah. and all that. When you draft a guy number one, right, you want him to go. But... Um, to me, I always say this, Baker's body language, he tells you, right? He's an in-your-face kind of guy. Yep. He's a not-hide-anything kind of guy. And in 19, his body language sucked. And people say his body sucked and his play sucked and it did. It wasn't all his fault, right? But last year, uh, early in the year, you saw some really bad games. You saw some moments. But late in the year, the body language was good. He played 
at an excellent level from us and, and really even better than that in a couple spots. In just two days, you know, not even full speed team drills. I'm watching him. His body language is good, right? He's he's getting after his teammates. He's listening in on the huddle. Like last year, he was probably listening in when Case's reps because he didn't know the play. Yeah. Now he's saying, I want to know because I want to look. And he's yelling and he's he's demonstrative. And it's like, it's only two days, right? But he he just, the vibe around that is is really good. And Baker is telling you with his body language that he feels like he's sitting on a big year. It feels, and I'm, I don't want to read too much into one quote, but Treader today when he was talking, he said that Baker's leadership has improved and his preparation has improved. And I think that Baker Mayfield has always been someone who's charismatic, right? He's magnetic. Guys are attracted to him. They always have been. And Joel Batonio talked to me about that after his rookie year when you can kind of feel that energy. But it now feels like, it's a more nuanced version of that leadership, and it's something that is a little bit, it's grounded. It's grounded in things that are more real and replicable, and guys are respecting the work he's putting in and the guy that he is right now. That's kind of the feeling that I've gotten based on some of the conversations that I've had. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, he was always a leader. It is his natural personality. But you come in, you're a young player, right? You have all this change. And then especially in 19 when you don't play well. And I go back to early last year. I mean, it was bad. Uh, he he had a couple really bad games in the, in the week six game at Pittsburgh. The first throw of the game, I think he threw it right to Micah Fitzpatrick, yeah. and it was over. And it was like, man, this is not going well. Um, but outside of that, they had some circumstances why he didn't get that many opportunities. Chubb went down. Teller went down. Uh, it wasn't until November that they reinvented themselves, and then you saw a different guy. So, yeah, I think there's, there's less of a forced leadership yes less of it's an, earned yes and, and less of an obligation right yeah. like i'm the quarterback i'm this they're gonna pay me all this money i have to go do this now i think it's like hey i'm in front of this huddle they've given me all these weapons and i'm gonna go out and let it rip and i'm gonna get everybody in line because we know that like pretty good isn't gonna cut it we have to be excellent this entire year and the one thing you talk about all the continuity and it's obvious there's a ton of continuity but the one area where there isn't is with beckham like he was not the guy there at the end of the year when they were playing well. And I think that the conversation around him has been a little bit misguided, right? This idea that they were better without him is truly insane to me on it multiple <laughs> levels. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the specifics of that. But you told me that his, just how he's looked physically has really jumped out to you. And I have heard that from multiple people. And what about just the way he looks, the way he's moving has been noticeable so far? So he comes out in minicamp and nobody really expects it, right? Because that's the second week of June. So we're talking like seven months yeah. off the surgery. He's wearing long sleeves. He's going through the motions. He's not doing anything near an explosive thing. He, he's Odell, right? But you don't see it. So earlier this week before they got started, we went out to his youth camp and you see him and he just looked more toned. He's just jogging around, giving people high fives and playing with the kids. But He's not wearing a brace. He's not doing anything. He's he's out here moving. Then he comes out on the first day of practice, and he's letting it loose. It's probably not top speed because we've seen Odell's top speed. But I'm telling you, Robert, not one ounce of hesitation. You know, not one cut where he seems a little hesitant or you know unsure of anything. Go, stop, cut. Just just looked like Odell going through practice, and it maybe wasn't as flashy. He's wearing the team colors, right? He's not jumping for the one handers when he's wide open, but like. Watching him move yesterday, like there's no way that guy just had ACL surgery eight, nine months ago. Like he looks like he could play right this second. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. People noticed what he looked like this offseason physically in that building, and I, I heard about it. And I heard about how much it meant for him to go work out with Baker and Austin and whether how much that means for what they could do this year. And I think that when I'm thinking about how Odell fits into their offense, I think about it in two ways. At the end of last season, even if they were playing well offensively, you could see how defensive structures changed because he wasn't in the game. They did not respect the level of athleticism and explosiveness that was on the field at any given time. There are promising players out there, right? Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, useful young guys. They do not scare you. And the gravity of what you can do defensively changes because of that. You could see it in that Kansas City game. They did not respect them. So that was what that offense looked like. I also think that when you're thinking about Beckham and the way he fits into this, you have to project what this year's offense is going to look like. Because there are aspects of this offense, and I think the Browns offense 2.0 that we're going to see under Kevin Stefanski is going to have more stuff where you're getting the ball into guys' hands. Some of the things we see from the Titans with A.J. Brown where these glance routes and you're getting it to him on the move to create those yak opportunities. They did not exist in this offense last year. I have a hunch they're going to be a part of this offense in 2021. That is the guy who can run them. Without him, you can't do that stuff. So not only do we see the impact at the end of last year, I think if you're projecting it forward, he is a necessary piece in that projection. Yeah, we saw it in the Dallas game last year, but that's the only time we saw it. And three weeks later, he was gone. Yep. And, and the offense, and I think then when you talk about kind of the individual stuff, the offense was still very much finding its way. Yes. And they thought, okay, you know what? Here's a Dallas defense that seems pretty disorganized. Let's throw the ball to Odell and hand the ball to Odell and see if we can make them more disorganized. Um, I, I can tell you this about Odell. We're at his, or on the other side of the town the other day at his youth camp. And he hadn't spoken, at least, you know, to a group in months. So he's given the answers and he's going deep. And that's Odell. I mean, he could go deep on what he had for lunch, right? But, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden someone asks him something I forget. And he shifts in the middle of his answer and says, you know what really bummed me out? Like watching that Kansas City game, knowing I could make one play. Yeah. Just one. And he's basically saying, I'm not trying to win an award for fastest rehab. I would have done that when I was younger. And I'm not saying that I'm going to come in and put up these huge numbers. I'm saying... I can make one or two plays that can help us get to the next level. And anybody that argues that really is an idiot. And you look at some of the other positions, the secondary jumps out where Greedy Williams is working with the first team defense today. And Newsom will probably be a part of that. And I think that you have to think about the long term and when, how much those guys are going to be in there, whatever. But you look at that group, it's John Johnson, it's Ronnie Harrison, it's Troy Hill. I mean, they're so, so deep there. They're so deep on the offensive line. What are the areas of concern on this team? Because I think that in terms of roster talent, it's been a lot of rosy outlook stuff over the last few months here. What little tiny cracks maybe people on the outside not seeing or not thinking about enough? Well, it starts with the defense. I mean, in ge- they've remade it, but it was pretty bad last yeah. year. Um, and I still think it's thin in most spots. Now, Right, in, you mentioned corner safety. Right now here, going to August 1st, it's it's deep. And that's assuming that Greedy and Delpit are going to be back, which we're still in the assumption state. Everything checks off with their rehab, right? We haven't seen them tackle anybody. We haven't seen them play football. Um, to me, the glaring one is defensive tackle. You know, they bring in Malik Jackson, who they really like. He's 31. They bring in Billings. He didn't play last year. He showed up. He was way overweight in the, in the spring. So I love the thought of Clowney. And I think Clowney and, and Miles can wreck games. I think they can consistently wreak havoc. 
they got rid of Sheldon Richardson in doing that. Now, presumably they were cutting that money to do some extensions, which are necessary. But I just think like, how does it go wrong? Well, one significant injury on the defensive line and all of a sudden you're really yeah it's a house of cards that spot is like it's very fragile in the the way that they've built the linebacker group is significantly upgraded but one of them is a rookie and jok who's on the COVID list and is missing time and like jok is a super athlete and super rangy and they need that but teams are going to run at him too and he's 220 pounds right so we'll see so it's it's much better on paper but you know i'm concerned about the special teams the browns are going to have to win close games i thought they were shaky at best last year uh and that's not because cody parkey just went one of five out there it's just in general we kicking don't, games you adventure. don't have to tell me about cody no, parkey listen I don't. you so, don't have to tell me um you know uh, like i said it, i don't expect the offense to roll the ball back out there and score 40 a game but i think eventually they have that kind of talent defensively i need to see it and i just worry in those certain areas that they're awfully thin I just think that we forget sometimes. I know he won coach of the year, but just how high the degree of difficulty was for a coach to come in with no offseason, putting in a new system, everything else, and for them to have the offensive success that they did. What this looks like in the second stage and how they build on it and how they tweak it. I know that was a it was a bit of emphasis for that staff this offseason. And what that looks like in practice with just a couple pieces changed offensively. What does Beckham give you? And then I think the other part of this is not only does Beckham give you a new element, by having Anthony Schwartz, it's an added element that Odell doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be the speed guy anymore. Right. And I think that's what's so interesting to me is that it's not a ton of changes, but the changes that we're going to see, I think could be transformative in a way that it's hard to understand right now. Absolutely. If Schwartz catches on, he can stretch the defense. Beckham gets back. Even if it's not September 12th in Kansas City, he can stretch the defense. And I think Donovan Peoples-Jones has superstar ability. I I, I do. Off the charts athleticism. Uh, Off the charts. I mean, if you look at <laughs> some of his combine testing numbers, it's absolutely yeah. crazy. And I think that's the nice thing about this team is that there are those guys kind of waiting in the wings. When you look at some other rosters, independent of the starting 11, how many up-and-coming players do you have? How right. Where can you go from here? And I think that's what's so encouraging about this team is it seems like there's a lot of guys. I mean, they're built for now. They're built for later. It, it's you try not to get too excited about it because I remember what that summer of 2019 was like. I worked at a site that had a week dedicated to the Browns. It did not go very well. <laughs> and so you try to pump the, the brakes a little tiny bit, but it gets hard to do. Yeah, they, they they have options, right? They have depth. They have some polish, as we mentioned, and they just have talent. When I think of Peoples-Jones, I think of the strangeness of last year's training camp, right? And then the rookies you just expect to be behind. No OTAs, no orientation, no anything. All of a sudden, report this day, take your test, and go out there. A couple times, there was there was one pass in particular, but he did this on on more than more than really two or three days. I don't even know Robert that this this pass was actually intended for him. It was so high and behind him, but he just kind of reaches <laughs> up and grabs it. When you have a fifty inch vertical, yeah, it helps, yeah. Right, and it's like a baby deer just found his footing, and it's like you know we just watched this boring hot day at camp where everybody's wearing masks and nobody wants to be here anymore. But wait, did that just really happen? And then you know he was inactive early in the year. He was not in the plans. Um, they had a game where guy gets hurt in pregame. Well, Peoples Jones comes in and make a play. The game where uh, Odell goes down on the first offensive play, I believe that it was. He wasn't in the game plan. He makes the game winning touchdown catch. Like from there, his confidence took off, and I just think now, off season to gather himself, and off season to really know and to be in the plans. 
I mean, do not dismiss this guy. And I've been telling every one of my fantasy nerd friends, draft <laughs> Jones late because there are so many worse shots you can take on greatness. I, I really think that. If you're betting on traits, it's not a bad bet to make. All right. Speaking of hot days at camp, we are melting in this car. <laughs> so that's going to be all we got. Zach, thank you very much for the time. So good to catch up with you. So good to be here. I can't even tell you how nice it is to have these conversations in person again. Well, I'll see you at the Super Bowl. Yeah, there you go. Talk to you soon, buddy.